You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. For win. It's good! It's good! It's good! Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. Animals are like, I don't know if that like, like resonates with you, but like you always see tigers in like, like on pictures and like on TV, but when you like see a tiger in front of you, it's like, what am I looking at? Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. At some point, somebody's got to take a stand. It's like, hey, man, the Capitol's that way. Chill out. (laughs) No! Stop it! Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back in to the Blue Collar Collar Unplugged podcast. I can't talk today. Uh, This is season three, episode... I'm not even sure what episode this is. Four or five? Four. Four, four, something like that. Uh, we are back after a short hiatus uh, from uh, kind of the beginning of, of school, of football season, but now we're getting close to basketball season. We are two weeks away uh, as of today's recording from the start of college basketball season uh, when Alabama takes on Moorhead State on opening day. Uh, but before then, we have some other things to talk about. We have uh, secret scrimmage. We're going to get into a little bit of a kind of roster breakdown today, look at all the different players a little more in depth there are nine new faces on this Alabama team. So uh, we've got a lot to get into. Uh, I'm your host, Blake Byler, joined as always by uh, Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Uh, but we're just going to go ahead and, and jump right in with the secret scrimmage from yesterday. So Alabama uh, plays TCU, the team that they played a season ago, the team that they lost to in a secret scrimmage by about 30 points last season uh, that, that sparked a uh, controversial, you could say, players only meeting, a thing that a lot of people thought was bad news, but ended up being really good because the uh, the team kind of came together and obviously had uh, one of the better seasons that we've seen an Alabama basketball team have. So um, this year, Alabama falls again to TCU, 81 to 85. Uh, scrimmage was in Birmingham. You had uh, Mark Sears miss the game with an injury. Uh, you had the the two Muhammads, uh, Wagi and Diabate, also missed with uh, – uh, Wagi has a foot injury. Uh, Diabate has a knee injury. We kind of knew that they weren't going to play. They've been dealing with uh, injuries all offseason. Uh, and then David Cosby didn't play either. But uh, just kind of looking at the box score that we've seen on Twitter, guys, what are some of your um, kind of initial takeaways uh, from what what we see on the box score, obviously, because we didn't get to watch the game, um, but things that you see that, that kind of stand out to you from this game? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with Sam Walters. Uh, 29 points, 10 to 16 from the field, 7 to 12 from three-point land. Walters is sort of the X factor for this Alabama team. Long, athletic. Um, we've seen that he's been able to, like, you know, just shoot the ball really well. Uh, he's got a really high vertical. Walters is a guy that could really come in and uh, just have an impact on the offensive end just immediately. And I think you have to look at Aaron Estrada, too. Estrada had a good game. Um, 7 to 16 from the field, 5 to 6 from the free throw line. Um, let's see, 19 points, I believe. Yeah, yeah I mean, 19. Estrada is a guy coming in as a, a graduate transfer from Hofstra, uh, really supposed to be the leader of this Alabama team. I think Estrada is primed for a really big year in the SEC, too. Um, but again, with all the injuries and everything, you don't know what you can really take from a game. 
so early on. Um, again, you mentioned it last year. Alabama got blown out by TCU and still had one of the best seasons that they've ever had. But I think this is a good start and a good, you know, signs of even with all of the injuries and everything, Alabama still was able to put up a good performance. And I think that's a good sign for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think having an eight-man like roster to run with is never never ideal, especially when uh, it looks like TCU had eleven. Yeah, they had eleven of their guys run. So I mean, sheer numbers wise, like in a in a scrimmage setting, nonetheless. But uh, when eight v eleven and not having a lot of rotation and rest, clearly from Grant Nelson getting thirty six and Estrada getting thirty six minutes. Uh, but I, I think a really impressive performance. I mean, I. I that we had a had a lead in in the second half as well, which I mean it's that's always impressive to be down what sixteen early and still battle back and fight for it. So I mean that shows some some intensity off the bat to be able to get up even for a, a secret scrimmage in in the Bucky Dome, I believe. Uh, so that's you know <laughs> is that where it was? It, I, I think so. It was looks it? like it. I don't know. I. I, the only pictures I saw were from TCU's Twitter. I'm going to look. Believe, I haven't seen any pictures. Hold on. I, based on my previous being in Sanford's gym like once, I think that's <laughs> that was in Sanford's gym. That'd be really funny. I just kind of assume that is definitely Sanford's gym. Okay, cool. That's really yeah, I funny. I think it is. <clears throat> I just kind of yeah. assumed that it was in – like at Legacy because they said Birmingham, right? But, no, I. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I also yeah, find very, it funny that funny they get it to the Bucky Dome. It's also funny that they played in practice jerseys. I kind of forgot that they did that. Right. Like they did. They didn't no, play in any in any regular jerseys. They they showed Look, a, a highlight think, of somebody hitting a three over right cell. So that's cool. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Jameer Nelson. I want to say. Probably he had twenty five for them. He had a great game. Yeah. I, I think for me the biggest thing. Was... Wait, who? What did you say? So we, had, we had an old friend alert with uh, Trevion Tennyson. Yes, that's from, right. From, uh, from the Islanders uh, of Texas A and M Corpus uh, Christi. Corpus Christi. Yes, he had a he had a an ele- no that's plus minus. He had a fourteen point game. He played for Corpus Christi last year. Um, Jameer Nelson Jr. for them had uh, 25. They had uh, 18 from Jacoby Coles. I don't even know who that is. But good performance from TCU for sure. The the thing that stood out the most to me about Alabama's performance was, honestly, Sam Walters was great. Um, you saw Rylan Griffin scoreless. No, excuse me. Rylan Griffin, two points. 0 for 7 from the field. Uh, not great. And then Latrell Wrightsell, no points. 0 for 5 from the field. And so no Mark Sears, two points from Griffin, zero points from Wrightsell. And despite that, Alabama played within four points of a pretty decent team uh, because of contributions they got from everybody else, which just speaks to me about the depth that this team is going to potentially have. Obviously, 29 from Sam Walters is massive seven threes he hit seven of Alabama's eight threes in the game which is crazy uh the other three was hit by Jaron Stevenson Stevenson had 10 points and I think five boards yeah 10 points and five boards for Stevenson 13 points and nine boards for Grant Nelson 
19 points and five boards for Aaron Estrada, eight points for Nick Pringle. And so who else went scoreless? Chris Parker went scoreless. He only played five minutes. And I think he's been dealing with some injuries too. Um, so th- just the fact that Alabama could get so many uh, contributions from other guys, like you, Walters, Stevenson. Stevenson's stat line really impresses me. And, like, we'll get into more about each of these players in just a minute. But, like, 10 points on two of three uh, from the field. He hit a three-pointer. He went five of six from the free throw line, uh, five rebounds. That's a really efficient performance for the freshman who's supposed to be in high school right now. On top of that, he played the third most minutes in the game. Like Estrada and Nelson, like Jacob said, played 36 minutes. Jared Stevenson played right at 31, which really surprises me because we'll we'll also get into this. I kind of assume that he will be coming off the bench to start the game. This doesn't say who the starters were, I don't think, unless it's just the first five guys on the the list. Um, But – the fact that he played 31 minutes, that means that tells me that he was playing good enough defense to be left in the game. And we've had some concerns in the preseason about Alabama's interior defense. And if Jaron Stevenson, if the uh, well-embedded moles from John Rothstein are correct, that he has been one of the better players or, or the biggest surprises of the preseason, and he's good enough to play 31 minutes a night and be able to put up 10 points, be able to play solid defense, that just raises Alabama's ceiling even more. Absolutely. Like it, I mean, his stat line is literally a Noah Clowney stat line. <laughs> yeah. It like it's, I, it's perfect. I, I'm, I'm very excited about him and what he brings to the table. Um, Alabama round ball, they put out some, uh, it's had some of the advanced numbers from yesterday. Um, so I, yeah. I don't know exactly how they, how they got their hands on this. I would assume uh, some of it's just calculated out, but. Uh, 22% offensive rebounding rate. That's, that's pretty good. That's um, good. Wait, who, who had – let's see. Uh, Nelson had an offensive rebound. Uh, Stevenson had two. Pringle had two. Estrada had one. So they had eight yeah. offensive rebounds out of 35 total. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's like, that's pretty good. Alabama's season average last year was like 34. So, I mean, obviously it's lower than that. But, again, in scrimmage – Nice to nice to see that, especially a lot when you're probably not like not not playing a hundred percent, but it's just a different mindset, and you're not trying to scrap for every offensive board. So I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people probably might overreact to the shooting numbers: eight of twenty-five from three, and then twenty-five of fifty-eight from the field. But I, that doesn't yeah. concern me necessarily because, like. Griffin went 0 for 5. That's not going to happen every game. You didn't have Mark Sears, no. who is like probably a top three shooter on the team. Um, yeah. Estrada only took one three, and he was 7 of 16 from the field, and like all of his buckets were from two. And I know Oates has talked about how much of a crafty finisher he is, and so I wonder if that was a lot of shots around the rim or if uh, – and he's a good mid-range shooter. I wonder if those, that was some mid-range shots too. Um, but they they don't they don't tell us that on the stat sheet. They don't separate right. mid-range from rim uh, shots. But th- that's definitely a, a, an encouraging stat line from him. Um, I mean, it, it's just like not the the fact that they lost the game. Like 
the the win loss results in, in scrimmages are very negligible. Like I don't I don't think that's super important. I think the the important thing is looking at like your your box score and seeing who was able to do what, considering the circumstances and just how each player was able to play. And for a lot of guys, this is their first collegiate action. And for all of them, it is their first action with this team. This is the first time this team has played another team. Because it wasn't like last year when they went and got to go play like China and um, Lithuania B team and whoever it was in in Europe. Uh, They didn't get to do that. So this is the first time that these guys are playing together against another kind of organized basketball team. So all in all, I'm fairly encouraged by the performance. I'm not too worried about um, any of the the, the, I'm not worried about the fact that they only lost by four points, and I'm not really worried about Griffin not hitting a shot. Like, that's not going to be normal. No, I, I, again, too. TCU is a relatively big team as well, and they still outread yeah. it. We got, I believe, two or three. Um, let's see. Yeah, Bama had a total of 35, TCU 33. <clears throat> They're going up against guys like Ernest Uda, who at one point was an Alabama target. Um, yes, for, he was. For guys like Jaron Stevenson or Chris Parker, Sam Walters, which Parker, again, only played five minutes, but for them to have performances like they did, I think that's a really encouraging sign for those freshmen to get in there to be able to do what they were able to do. Um, Again, because these scrimmages are basically just a test to get your guys in there and um, get them some experience for, like, the younger guys for the most part. And I think they perform well. I mean, again, Walters had 29 points. I mean, if that's – (laughs) <laughs> the kind of offensive production that you may even see in spurts this year, that is a big deal for Alabama. I totally agree. Um, let, let's transition a little bit into kind of the, the, the meat of this episode where we're going to be kind of breaking down the roster and everything that, that goes into that. Alabama has three returning players from a season ago in Mark Sears, Rylan Griffin, and Nick Pringle. That leaves – nine uh, new players, uh, nine new guys that will be wearing an Alabama jersey and taking the floor in Coleman Coliseum for the first time. Um, with that, there are five freshmen and four transfers. Uh, the freshmen, you have Davin Cosby, a red shirt, who uh, enrolled early last year, um, was able to kind of get in the program, get in the strength and conditioning program, practice with the team all of last season, um, joined the team in January, uh, so now he will be a freshman. You have Sam Walters had the big performance against TCU. You have Mo Diabate, who's hurt. Um, Chris Parker, and who am I forgetting? Blank, totally. Who have I Parker, forgotten? Cosby, Diabate, and then Jaron Stevenson. Oh, Jaron Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah, uh, Jaron Stevenson, kid that reclassed, supposed to be in high school right now. Um, but now he's uh, playing for Alabama. And then on the transfer front, you have uh, Aaron Estrada, Grant Nelson, Latrell Wrightsell, and Moa Gee. So let's start off with starting lineups. If y'all both had to predict the starting lineup on Monday, oh, two weeks from Monday, uh, against Moorhead State, what is the five that you would roll out there? I think I'm probably going Estrada at the one, Sears at the two. <clears throat> Uh, Rylan at the three. Um, that's a, probably maybe maybe just pure experience wise. Grant Nelson at the four, Pringle at the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I think that 
changes by SEC play. Uh, which, I mean, obviously it will. But I, th- I think two weeks from now, rolling out against Morehead State, that's the five that I would go with. Yeah, and that's that's the exact line I would have gone with, too. And I think that's a good mix of veteran experience. They got that grant and the news. We're coming. Nelson be able to play a bunch of different positions for Alabama. So, again, I think that does change by SEC play. But I think for the first game, I think that's the lineup they roll out. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that makes the most sense because you look and you you got your three returners in that lineup in Sears, Griffin, and and Pringle, um, and then you look at the transfers um, and, and the newcomers in general. Like, who are the two guys that are going to be the most like instant impact guys? And Estrada and Nelson are absolutely those guys. I mean, Estrada, um, one, he's I think the oldest player on the team because he's a fifth year grad transfer. Um, a lot of the players have said, and, and Oates has said that he stepped up as a leader even at as this being his first year just because he's so old. Um, and he, shoot, he was one of Alabama's representatives at SEC Media Day. Um, and I, I guess, to be fair, Noah Gurley was last year and he didn't start. Um, but I think Estrada is a natural fit to be that pair with Sears in the starting backcourt. And Nelson, I mean, Nelson's going to be able to kind of do everything. I mean, Nelson – um, in, in the little bit of, of practice in the, in the media viewing uh, that we had, they, they had him everywhere. They had him outside playing a little guard. They had him um, down low, setting screens, rolling, popping for threes. He could shoot the ball. Like Oates said that he's going to play a kind of role that combines Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney. And that's not to say that he can do the best of what Brandon Miller can do and the best of what Noah Clowney can do. But instead he can – the way that Alabama used Miller as kind of a big guard, they can do that with Grant Nelson, but also the way that they used Noah Clowney in the dunker spot as a screener, as a roller, as a a, a rebounder, as a cutter, like he can do those things too. He has such a massive arsenal of um, offensive skills and weapons at his disposal that Alabama is going to be able to do so much of that with him. I'm very excited to see how Ryan Pannone, schemes around him and uses him uh but he's a natural fit to start um in in the front court and he he's the perfect nato's big i think so that's kind of a a, an easy selection for me and i I think pringle uh jacob i'm in the same boat as you i think i think pringle starts to start the season but i think there is a chance that as jaron stevenson continues to improve if he is as good as people are saying, and, and it, shoot, if he's playing 31 minutes in a scrimmage, um, if, if he can continue to be that guy and, and play solid defense on the interior, get rebounds, score the ball, he might overtake Pringle for for a starting spot on the interior. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was envisioning as well. Um, I, I think that would be – I think the upside of Jaren Stevenson is – just higher than Nick Pringle offensively um, because of what he brings, shooting the ball. I mean, I, I love Nick Pringle, truly. I, I think he is a great energy guy. I think he uh, will continue to be a leader this year and just be a strong presence. Um, but offensively, if Jaron Stevenson can be a liability that you have to go cover out wide, like if he's down in the corner and the defense just can't leave him out there, then that's really, really valuable. Because at that point, like if you throw Stevenson in the lineup instead of Pringle, like, you have four or five guys that you like can confidently say can bring up the ball on the court every possession. 
and you have five guys that can hit a three when needed. That's yeah. like you said, like, like that's the perfect NATO. It's big. I mean, I, I think at times, you know, three years ago, like whenever Herb would have to rotate kind of down to the five or four, four or five hybrid positions like that. Like, I think that's um, kind of a similar ideal role that uh, Nate probably envisions for Grant Nelson. Um, now three years ago, that was really because there wasn't a true, true point guard. Um, and now we have an abundance of guards that can bring the ball up. Uh, but just having that and being able to have that versatility, I think is really, really valuable and makes Alabama really hard to defend. So you have, you, we, we gave our starting fives. I'm going to go to Matthew for this next one. Where, who are your, let's say first three guys off the bench, because we all kind of named the same starting five, Estrada, Sears, Griffin, Nelson, Pringle. Um, it, if you're crafting a rotation with obviously the limited things that we've seen, um, haven't seen them play yet, but who would be your first three guys off the bench for that eight man rotation, so to speak? Ooh, um, I think you go with, uh, Litro Reitzel for one, uh, transfer Agreed. guard from Cal State Fullerton. I think Reitzel gets in there as one of the guys off the bench. I don't know if he's going to be the first guy off the bench, but I think Reitzel will end up being one of the three. I think if Walters is continuing to play this way, I think Walters has to be a guy that um, could find his way into one of those three spots. And I think Walters, if, if Walters is playing well, if he can do put up performances like that, I, it's going to be hard to get him out of the starting lineup in some way. Um, but I think Walters is another name. And then for the third spot, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be tough. I, I think Wiggy is a candidate Stevenson, for that. Maybe. Who? Who? Stevenson, maybe. Yeah, Stevenson, obviously. I, I think with Jaron, I, I think Jaron's going to end up being a starter at some point. Um, if Jaron's yeah. a starter, then I think Pringle fills that role. Um, but, yeah, again, Stevenson's a guy that is, could very easily be one of those three guys that's the first couple to come off the bench. And um, For Stevenson, I, I think <clears throat> I, I just fully believe that he's going to be a starter at some point. We know Nate Oates is not afraid to play freshman at all. I mean, Noah Clowney no, was perfect. Perfect example of that last year. And I think Stevenson is one of those Noah Clowney types. He probably has a little bit of a better three-point shot, maybe not as um, like long on defense. But I think Stevenson is a guy that as he continues to get stronger and get better and more acclimated to the speed of SEC play and everything, I think Stevenson is going to be a guy that could earn his way into a starting role. But those would be the three that if I go choosing three guys off of the bench, that would be my three initially. I agree with that. And I really like – I really like Wrightsell as a sixth man potentially because one, the the energy that he brings. I mean, Oates was talking about him. You were there, Matthew, at Media Days, and he was talking about he's just like a dog. Like he just he plays hard. He was talking about how he's been banged up all preseason, but then he was like, that's because of how hard he goes in practice. That he always ends up getting like like nicked and bruised and and ends up on the floor a lot. He's diving for loose balls. Like he he goes at the rim hard. Um, and I think that that kind of energy is something you really want from your first kind of guard off the bench. Um, and I think the way the rotation will work, obviously Alabama's a little thin at guard um, when you really think about it after the transfer of Quinterly. Um, so, I mean, your only true guards are Sears, Estrada, and Reitzel. Um, so you'll bring Reitzel in, and I don't think he'll ever play the one for Alabama. I think the one duties will be shared between Estrada and Sears. Um, and whenever – Reitzel comes in, it'll be next to one of Reitzel or Sears, whichever, or 
Strader or Sears, whichever one needs the break at that point. Um, so I think he's a great scoring option off the bench. And then you bring, you mentioned Sam Walters. Obviously, if he's shooting seven for 12 from three. Like, he's going to end up starting somehow. Like, I, I don't think he'll be seven for 12 from three every game. But, I mean, if he's going to be a consistent shooter like that and, and make up like 80% of Alabama's point makes in the game, he is going to be on the floor. That's just how playing for NATO's works. If you can hit threes like that, you're going to be on the floor. Um, a couple guys we didn't really mention were actually the injured guys from the, the, the scrimmage. There's Mo Wagee, who I think will have a pretty – maybe not like – substantial in terms of minutes role, but he will have an important role uh, because Alabama's bigs could be in foul trouble at any moment. You you could have, I mean, Pringle had some issues fouling last year. Uh, Wiggy is going to be a guy who you can bring in and play defense on the interior. And he, he's just another body. He's big. He's 6'11", right? And he's got some weight on him. Yes, yeah, so he's 6'11". Yeah, 6'10", um, 225. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a pretty big guy. And when you have just another body who you can throw at an opposing team's big to maybe eat a couple fouls if you need to, uh, maybe you just need some size to put on him. Maybe uh, you've got Nelson. Um, you don't want to get a foul on Nelson, and maybe Stevenson's too small, um, like bulk wise, to, to play with a bigger guy. You can bring in Wiggy and throw him on him. Uh, he's a good rebounder, and so he he's definitely going to play the. And then, I mean, shoot, David Cosby. We didn't even talk about him. I mean, he didn't get the chance to play in the scrimmage. He still has not played a game for Alabama uh, even uh, after all this time, which is really funny. Uh, but he's uh, a sharpshooter. Like, he's a, he's a really good shooter. And I, I think he – good shooters are going to have the chance to get on the floor. And with Alabama's thin guard rotation, maybe there's some games where you see more of Cosby. You see more um, – there may be some games where – uh, Chris Parker sneaks his way into the lineup. I know Oates has really liked the way he's been able to defend. Um, I think he, we said earlier, I think he's been banged up a little bit, so that's why he only played the five minutes. I mean, I think, I'm pretty sure I heard Rylan Griffin was supposed to be questionable for, for TCU, um, so that might be part of the reason why he only played 15 minutes. But, I mean, you look at this team and there's so many guys, like you could feasibly see like a nine or a ten-man rotation. Yeah, I, I think that's super possible. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of, like, you know, you look at positions one through three and through four, like, there's not really a lot of guys that are, like, pigeonholed into only being able to do one thing. You know, and I think that's, like, that's the whole idea. That's why they're here, right? Like, that's the the way that Oates wants to run the offense. Um, and I think the rotation, like, provided that the shooting percentages stay high for those guys or get high, Um like, I, I think, you know, at times over the last few seasons, like we've had in great games, had bench players been able to come in and not hit a knockdown three or two. Like, I, I think that's clearly what was envisioned for Dom Welch last year, you know, and, and that didn't quite pan out. And some of that was injury for a while or whatever it may be. Uh, but if you can have somebody come in and play that role, like that's, that's really valuable. Like to be able to eat some minutes, give the starters a rest, but also like be a positive generate a positive offensive rating and play good defense. And it feels like we have the guys to do that. Uh, at least looking at it now and looking at the results of this, the scrimmage. Uh, I think we have the pieces to rotate well. And I think that's 
um, frankly, a really important part of the postseason and going deep into the SEC and NCAA tournament. Uh, so I, I'm optimistic for that because of the depth that, that this team seems to have so far. No, I agree with that. I think one thing that I I really like about the makeup of this roster as a whole is kind of the, the age. Um, Because I mean, you look at, look at the final four last year. I mean, San Diego state was really old. FAU was really old. old. Pretty sure Miami was really old. UConn had some really good freshmen, but for the most part, another old team. So you, you experience wins in college basketball these days. Like you don't, like gone are the days of Kentucky rolling out five five star freshmen and walking to the Elite Eight. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. And that's a conversation for another episode when uh, we will talk about the SEC as a whole. Um, but if you look at this team, Sears is a senior, Nelson is a senior, um, Reitzel is a senior, Pringle is a senior, and Estrada is a grad student. So that's five seniors. Um, you think, and then you look at other guys on this team. Um, Griffin is a sophomore. However, he has uh, NCAA tournament experience. He has won an SEC championship. He's been to a Sweet 16. Um, and then you have a bunch of freshmen. Um, and and the freshmen, when they are assimilated into a culture that has so many seniors and so many guys with all of that experience. I mean, Mark Sears has been to two NCAA tournaments now because he went to one with Ohio. Um, Pringle has been to an NCAA tournament now. Um, you look at Reitzel. I don't know if Reitzel has been to a tournament. I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, so. he, he's a senior. You you have uh, – Estrada has four years under his belt. Like, you have guys who have played college basketball for a really long time, and so they're not going to be necessarily phased by – the big moments in March because of the experience and age that they have. And I think that also, it, it's also comes with like physical maturity. I remember uh, me and Matthew were sitting courtside at the sweet 16 last year, watching um, Rylan Griffin try to guard number two for San Diego state, I think. And I was for like, just, yeah, he, I was like, he just looks like a grown man next to Griffin. Like Griffin looks like a child. Uh, because Griffin was 18, and uh, the the guy for San Diego State was, I think, 22 or 23. Um, so you have these older guys who are, like, physically more mature and able to, um, like, play more of a physical brand of basketball, which is what Nato wants to do. Um, so I think that's another thing that whenever you look at the roster makeup of this team, that's another thing that is a big positive and, and a thing that might allow this team to – potentially make a deep run in March once once they get to that point. Um, because I don't I don't think we're necessarily worried about this team making the NCAA tournament. Like I think they're gonna be a consistent um top twenty five team for, for much of the year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think like the the floor based on what the experience that you have, uh, you know, I think the only like as far as seniors and older production, um with uh, Aaron Estrada and Grant Nelson, the only kind of concerns were that translating into SEC play. Um, but I, I think overall, I think we'll see both of those translate well. I mean, Grant Nelson played one SEC game and had like pretty sure he had double double against Arkansas last year, and that was 
I want to say pre Trayvon Brazil. Brazil injury. was playing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so still playing against a, a five that you will see this year, and not until March, but we'll see this year. Uh, and then I don't I don't remember if Aaron Estrada's played against any SEC teams, but regardless, like I, it's he's a fifth year guy. He's very experienced. He's going to be able to get to the rim and. Um, stay composed, and I think that just allows like your freshmen, whenever they do come off the bench, to like not as much as being asked of them. Like there's not as much pressure on their shoulders right off the bat. Um, so kind of the schedule, first really five six games, just not being compelling. I would say the opponents are not super compelling uh, as far as like the the low to mid majors that we're playing. They're interesting games, um, but enough time for them to really settle in and get going before SEC play. And then before the, the run of three games in December, Uh, I really, I really do like this roster. I enjoy what it has to offer. Uh, I think Davin will probably play a little bit of the Rylan Griffin role from last year would be my anticipation off the bench. Is it a, they're like about the same size, about the same height, like kind of in theory, probably same similar capabilities. So, you know, if Ryland we saw have had a like great importance for January and February. You know, he was used a lot, was shooting the ball well. Uh, so having that from Davin during the heart of SEC play would be awesome. Uh, and at the very least, it will allow him to develop and be ready to take on Ryland's role for this year, next year. You know, so it's just a, it's a good scheme of player development. Uh, I think Davin being around for a semester having gotten ejected from a game, but never played in a game. Very just <laughs> awesome. Love it. H- has to be in a uh, short company, a short list of company for that. But I think yes. that's something I'm excited to watch. Uh, I think you mentioned Estrada and kind of how his game would translate. And that's actually something that I'm like, I'm very bullish on Estrada's game translating because, and, and I talked to, um, I was doing some stuff for the the game program, and so I got to go um, talk to a couple of the assistant coaches. And I was talking to Panone about Estrada, and he was talking about how how translatable his game really is from mid major to uh, high major because Estrada is not the most athletic guard on the team at all. Um, Estrada is not the fastest guard on the team, and I'm saying these things, and the same is true about Mark Sears, who came from the mid-major level, and his game translated to the high-major level. And it's because Estrada is really skilled. Like that, that is what makes him the player he is. That is the reason that he averaged 20.2 points per game last year. On he shot 48% from the field, and he shot I think 38% from three. Um, so. That that was based off of his skill. It wasn't because he was just this really big, really fast, really athletic guy in mid-major who could just play above the rim uh, and, and just beat everybody that way. Um, like he he was just more skilled, and that's the reason that he was able to score the way that he was. Um, and so I think because of that, that's going to translate really well because skill is what translates. I mean, Panone told me he was like, that's why a lot of mid-major guys end up doing well in the NBA because it's their skill that translates that that that's what makes their game what it is and so uh, i'm very excited to see estrada and then um you might hear me say that and think about well nelson's really athletic and like yes he is but he is also incredibly skilled like 
he is skilled for his position, especially for a 6'11 forward. I mean, his ability to bring the ball up. I mean, there's some there's some clips of him at North Dakota State. Like the the he has like spin moves, pump fakes, um, like ball fakes. He can like dribble moves, like all of these different things. And where it's like a guy that big shouldn't be doing that, you know. Um, so both of them have very skilled games that allow them to translate. Um, and, and be a, a high-level contributor at this level. Um, and I have full confidence in in kind of both of them. Matthew, what do you kind of think about that, about the, the way that their games translate? Yeah, I mean, I think with <clears throat> with Nelson in particular, Nelson is going to be able to translate pretty much immediately. I mean, you mentioned that he's the perfect, uh, you know, just forward for an eight outs system. I think he's a, he's a great shooter, super athletic, got long arms. He's going to be projectable on the defensive end. I think with Nelson, that's kind of been the one concern that he had coming in, where's how's he going to fit in on defense? Um, but I think at, over time and as he gets assimilated to NATO, it's his culture. I think that's something that they'll be able to work into Nelson. And with Estrada, that's not really a concern that I have. I mean, obviously played at Oregon for a little bit, um, didn't really do well there. But I think as you transfer and go to a place like Hofstra and develop your game as a player, just continually get better over the course of a couple of years, I, it's not really a concern that I have for Estrada. He's going to be able to get buckets for Alabama. He's going to be able to be a team leader for this Alabama team. So I think their game is going to be able to translate pretty much immediately. And you kind of mentioned how Nelson's able to do a lot of things that he shouldn't be able to do for his position. I think the thing that gets me with this Alabama roster is, particularly in the front court, how interchangeable they are. And that's become a theme for Nate Oates. But I think with the kind of like size and depth that they will have, they have guys like Walters who can put it on the floor. Nelson can put it on the floor. Parker's going to be able to put it on the floor because he was at, he's six foot nine now. Began was like six 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 seven, um, so he was kind of a, a wing there and was able to you know do some things in the offensive end. And I think defensively too, you're going to be able to do a lot of different lineups. Just you can do a line, tall lineup, you can do a small lineup. I think this team is so interchangeable, and I think that's the one thing that gets me about this roster is you've got a bunch of guys who are big like Nelson or um, like Stevenson and other guys who are able to be athletic bigs or front court guys that are able to play a bunch of different positions because they're able to have the athleticism. They're able to put it on the floor. They're able to score. So again, I, th- I think this Alabama team is just so like, they're able to do a lot of different things out there. And again, the, particularly within the front court, they're extremely athletic, interchangeable. I think that's a huge thing, especially in March. You've got to be able to do different lineups to um, get some of those teams that are either smaller or bigger or more experienced, less experienced. I think this team has a really good blend of all of that. I definitely agree. I mean, you you hit it with all of these guys. Like, there's so many guys that kind of do similar things, and so that you can be interchangeable with that. I mean, you have like six ten Sam Walters and six nine Chris Parker, who can both kind of play a similar wing role. But based on what you need, do you need shooting on the floor? Do you need defense on the floor? And so you, you can kind of interchange the two of them based on what it is that you need, and you can. Uh, do the same with um, kind of the guards. And and I'm sure that Rydsell isn't going to go scoreless every game like he did against TCU. And so I'm not worried about, like, I'm sure there will be games where he, where he goes off for a lot of points. The, the difference will be the fact that there won't, like, this team doesn't have a Brandon Miller. This team doesn't have a guy that's going to go for 20 every night. So the scoring is going to be a little more evenly distributed. And so in that vein, what do you all think, who do y'all think the top three, four, five kind of leading scores are? Like, where, what range do you think they'll be scoring in? 
Um, I think I, we talked about this maybe last episode, but I we might have my three that I had was Steers, uh, Nelson, and then Estrada, and I think mm-hmm. just depending on how the season goes along, it could be a number of ways it leads in scoring. But um, I believe I said Mark Sears from the own. 14 and a half. I think Estrada is going to hover around like 12 and a half. I think Nelson's going to be right around 13 ish, 12 ish, maybe more, maybe less, um, just depending on how he can get assimilated to, uh, you know, the team here. But um, that's, those are kind of the three guys that I felt like were on the offensive end would be your, your kind of go-to guys. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would say probably Sears, Nelson, Estrada, um, maybe, maybe Ryland. Uh, I think it just depends on his shooting. I think he could get up there. But I think, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but like Tennessee's scoring last year was like very evenly distributed around like 12 to 16 between all five starters. Uh, and I think depending on when Stevenson comes in and how he does, I think we could get to that. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we have those three guys kind of more at the top and then like a next tier, but also like we'll, we'll use our bench well and rotate well um, based off of this. Kind of what we've seen in the scrimmage and just what we've talked about roster wise. So yeah, I I would, I personally think Sears will probably lead the team in scoring. Uh, I think last season, the only thing that really kept, I mean, besides Brandon Miller having just about 20 a game, um, I, I think Sears being a little bit more freed up, to shoot because I think Estrada will probably take point on most possessions and not that that's super rigid in the NATO's offense, but I think it'll take a little bit of attention off Sears and allow him to score some more and uh, just have a little bit more open areas where that he did not necessarily have from the guard position last year. I think you mentioned Tennessee and I like that comparison. I just pulled up the stats from uh, Alabama's team in 2021. Uh, the leading scorer was Jaden Shackelford with 14 a game. And then you had Javon Quinterly, 12.9 a game. John Petty, 12.6 a game. Herb Jones, 11.2 a game. And then Josh Primo, 8.1. And I think that's probably what you're going to be seeing this year because, like, that team did not have really a go-to scorer. They just had a bunch of dudes. Like, you you, you had Shackelford could go for 20. You had Petty could go for 20. You had – I mean, Herb could go for twenty. Um, JQ off the bench could go for twenty, and that's the kind of that's the kind of distribution I kind of see. Because like Sears could go off, Nelson could go off, Estrada could go off. Um, you, you look even deeper, Ryland, Wrightsell, all of those guys have the opportunity to go for a big game. It's just you're not gonna the ball isn't going to be dominated by one guy, and you're not gonna have one guy taking all the shots. Um, if I let me pull the the stat sheet back up. How many shots did Nelson take? Oh, Nelson only took six shots from the field and scored 13 points because he got fouled seven times, uh, made eight free throws, um, or went seven for eight from the free throw line. Then uh, Estrada shot 16 shots. Sam Walter shot 16 shots. Um, but it, you had a very evenly distributed, like, guys taking the number of shots. And I think that's another thing that you're going to see this year. Like, it's not it's not going to be Brandon Miller dominating the ball and, and taking – the majority of the shots um you're going to see a very evenly distributed offensive attack and i think that's good i think that makes it harder for teams to scheme for you to be honest yeah 
Absolutely. I, I think you saw in games where the offense kind of struggled at times where teams had good defensive game plans last year, um, thinking like Auburn away, Tennessee away, uh, a little bit of A&M was like really kind of key, like very much keying in on Brandon Miller and like forcing him off rhythm. Um, and I don't know that there's really a guy that you could do that to on this year's team and it would completely change how the offense runs like it did in those few games and into the tournament last season. But like I think with the depth, like you, you spread it out, you spread out your risk because everyone is also capable of bringing you the benefit of an explosive night, like you're saying, Blake. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that certainly makes Alabama harder to, to scheme against uh, defensively. And, you know, I I think the availability and for everyone to be used offensively really well by Coach Manon and a lot of the things he uh, will draw up. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it feels like about daily, but probably every few days, tweeting out uh, just a, a various offensive play. And it's like, okay, yep, looking to see some variation of that this season. Uh, but being able to do that with more players that are capable of having that offensive uh, prowess is going to be really valuable for the coaching staff um, and will make us more sustainable against like good defensive teams, which there are plenty of and the SEC. And I think looking right now, like just projected wise, um, like Tennessee's two, we play them, Mississippi State, Arkansas, eight and nine, Auburn, 15, Creighton, uh, Texas A&M's up there in the top 30. So like we, we will yeah. play a lot of good defenses and we'll need creative ways to beat those teams. Last question before we wrap up. Um, Matthew kind of already mentioned it, so I think I kind of know his answer. But, like, who is your biggest X factor for this team? Like, biggest guy where if they make a jump, Alabama can be that much better. Um, Matthew, you kind of already mentioned yours, so I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Sam Walters. The the kid can shoot the ball. That's one thing you cannot (laughs) knock Sam Walters for. He can shoot. Um, And I think for Alabama, just having him off the bench or maybe in the starting lineup at some point, I think Walters is going to be a guy that – uh, is going to be a huge, huge X factor for Alabama this year. And as a guy who can just come off the bench and get buckets or, uh, again, maybe, like I said, maybe potentially find a way into the starting lineup. Walters is long projectable. I think he's getting better on the defensive end. Um, so I think Walters really is going to be your X factor for Alabama this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say probably Jaron Stevenson. If he's able to make a jump and get like up to SEC speed and competition, I think that would be revolutionary. Uh, now, I think – Pringle brings a good defensive presence and overall like, it's certainly not losing anything by having Pringle on the floor, but the offense that Jaron Stevenson could possibly bring and the versatility, um, basically being able to bring out kind of a, a Noah Clowney type two would be very, very interesting to see in this offense. And I think that could uh, take Alabama to another level. Both of those are really good picks. I'm going to go just to be different. I'm going to go with Rylan Griffin because, like, we expect him to make a jump, but it's not necessarily guaranteed. Um, and we we don't necessarily expect him to be one of the, the top three scorers, as we've mentioned, because we think it's going to be Sears, Estrada, and, and Nelson. So um, for Griffin, if he's able to make a jump up and and be another, like, double-digit scorer on this team, also with his, um, with his shooting ability, with his – uh, capabilities on defense, his kind of two-way nature that he can play with. I think if he makes a jump, Alabama's going to be really dangerous because that's just yet another weapon that they have to be able to use um, 
and, and he's a guy that can play both ends of the floor. Um, it, Griffin has the chance to, I mean, he's on a lot of breakout player lists. So um, if he's able to make the jump, it makes Alabama even, uh, even more dangerous. But um, I think that is about going to wrap up today's episode. We're going to, uh, I think we're going to be back to weekly episodes. Hopefully is the goal. Um, we'll, we should be back next week talking a little bit of, I think SEC preview is what we uh we mentioned what we discussed um yeah i think it'll be an interesting preview yeah may or may not have uh have a fun guest on for that we're gonna work on that and we'll uh let y'all know but in the meantime uh make sure you're following us on uh following us on twitter uh following the the podcast on twitter at bcu podcast catch any um other content we put up there we we tweet every time uh, we upload an episode, all things like that. So um, in the meantime, thank you all for listening. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time.